so none of our, our kids play sports. And honestly, this is still sort of surprising to me as someone who grow, grew up playing all kinds of sports. Uh, I sent our first son to basketball camp when he was younger, but each day I was way more excited about it than he was, and I just couldn't understand like, why he wasn't thrilled. Uh, instead, he's more interested in music, which is great. Our daughter did some gymnastics for a few years, but she's more interested in theater and music. And so when we moved to Santa Monica, I signed our youngest son up for Little League, hoping that he, he would love sports about as much as I do. I, I mean, I can still remember playing sports. I can remember playing baseball. When I was a kid, it all seemed very, very important, very serious, with tough coaches, long practices, and games where parents and coaches were yelling and arguing with, like, the high school umpire. I remember the hamburgers and the hot dogs and the candy and the popcorn and the blue slushies that you'd get at the concession stand after the game. It was fantastic. So it's the first inning of the first game, and Ezra is in the outfield in his Little League uniform, and I'm excited, and I'm nervous, and I just hope he has fun. When I see Ezra say something to the umpire, who then calls the timeout in the middle of the first inning, Ezra then runs off the field in the middle of the first inning of his first game. Jesus begins his ministry proclaiming good news about the kingdom of God. We've been talking about this for a few weeks, which comes across as a foolish and provocative challenge to the good news of the Roman Empire and to Caesar, you know, the most powerful person in the world with the most powerful killing force in the world. As a result, Jesus finds himself in conflict not only with an empire, but with the expectations of his own biological family. So in Mark chapter 3, beginning in verse 20, and Jesus went home. And again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When Jesus' family heard about this, they went to restrain him, because they thought he, Jesus, is out of his mind. But then the religious leaders interrupt and accuse Jesus of being possessed by the devil and of doing dark magic. Jesus then responds by saying, but how can Satan drive out Satan? Or how can the devil restrain himself? Or in the words of MLK, how can darkness drive out darkness? Or how can hate drive out hate? Only light and love can do that. Then continuing in verse 31, Jesus' mother, brothers, and sisters arrived, standing outside the house. They sent someone to call Jesus out. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, your mother, brothers, and sisters are outside looking for you. Jesus then asked, who is my mother and my brothers and my sister? Who, who is my family? Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him, and he said, here, here is my family. Whoever does God's will is my mother and my sisters and brothers Whoever does God's will are my siblings. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Jesus is out of his mind because our family doesn't do that type of thing, right? Our family doesn't draw attention to ourselves. Our family doesn't rock the boat. Politically, religiously, and now even with his own family, Jesus is out of his mind because he isn't conforming to everyone's expectations. So we've been talking, when our faith conforms to empire, as we talked about last week, we get Christian nationalism. When our faith conforms to one religious way, we get fundamentalism. And when our faith conforms to one way of defining family, we get things like traditional family values, which, which may sound good until you realize just how many people are left behind. So, in ancient Greek, the word for woman also means wife. Same word. So, even linguistically, a woman is not fully a woman unless she is a wife. And then culturally, a wife isn't a good wife unless she becomes a mother who is able to give birth to sons who apparently behave better than Jesus does. In Greek, a, the word for man also means husband, which means a man isn't fully a man unless he becomes a husband who has a wife who makes him a father by having sons and secondarily maybe daughters. So it's interesting because even here in this story, many English translations tell us that only Jesus' mother and brothers show up even though it's made clear later on that Jesus' sisters are also there. So if you look at the footnotes in the, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3, uh, verse 32, in the Bible's right in front of you, it will say at the bottom, other ancient authorities lack and sisters. The sisters are, are no longer there. So within this one way of understanding family, Jesus' sisters are left behind. And then we ask the question when we define family in this way, what about orphans who don't have a biological family? Or what about women who aren't wives or mothers? Or what about men who aren't husbands or fathers? And what about slaves in the ancient world who, who aren't even considered in this conversation about biological family because they exist to serve another family, a family that is free, and traditional, and therefore better and more valuable to society. And today we know that there are people pleading with the church and with society with, about how strict definitions of gender or marriage or family leave them or their loved ones behind. So, when Jesus makes belonging to a family about something other than biology or clearly defined family roles or identities, he is opening wide God's embrace of anyone who has ever felt like they were left behind. He's opening God's embrace to anyone who has ever felt like they didn't belong. This is why someone like Dr. Ada Maria Isasi Diaz began to redefine the kingdom of God as the kingdom of God or the family of God. Or maybe we should say, based on this story, the non-traditional family 
of God, or even our chosen family, where we are welcomed and supported for who we are. Dr. Isasi Diaz started what she calls Mujerista Theology, which is the study of life and faith from the perspective of the Latina woman and their experience. In Mujerista Theology, the kingdom of God is not about assimilation to one of everyone to one culture, one family, or one identity. Instead, the kingdom of God comes when we embrace and celebrate the differences. We don't need everybody to be the same. The kingdom of God comes when we no longer leave people behind as everyone else is rushing forward with what feels like normal. So Ezra runs off the field in the middle of the first inning, and I run over thinking, I hope he's okay, but I'm also thinking he better not be okay because you don't run off the field in the middle of the first inning. Like you, what it, you push through, right? You, you tough it out. I mean, that's, that's what I did. So when I get to the dugout, one of the other parents tells me, Ezra says that he's hungry. <laughs> hungry? But, but that's what happens after the game. After the game, we go to the concession stand to get hot dogs or popcorn or candy or blue slushies. Like, that's part of the tradition. That's what, that's what I did. But it, it's okay, this parent continued. Your wife gave him a, a croissant from Starbucks. What kind of a nightmare is this? Like, it's not taking me out to the ball game for half an inning in a Starbucks pastry, right? It's the whole game. It's the seventh inning stretch. It's buying peanuts and Cracker Jacks. It's cheering for the Yankees as a family. Unless, unless it's not actually that in real life. Maybe for my kids, it's something completely different. Apparently for my kids, it's something completely different. So the kingdom of God here, or the kingdom of God here on earth, is me learning to embrace what actually is versus what I thought it would be. It's seeing our kids for who they are, which more often than not is quite surprising and wonderful. Instead of me trying to make everyone conform to my experience, that's what I did. Why doesn't everybody else do it this way? God's non-traditional family here on earth embraces and celebrates the differences. This is God's new reality. This is MLK's The Beloved Community. This is the Latina family of God where all are seen, all are welcomed, and no one is left behind. Let's pray. Jesus, in whatever language and whatever way that makes sense to each unique person here, Help us experience your love and your belonging. Amen.